Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the co-founder and president of the Business of Cannabis. This is BFC Live for Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. BFC Live is a video and podcast production of the Business of Cannabis since 2017 through our web, social, video, and podcast channels, as well as real world and now virtual events. We've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. We encourage you to explore all that we do at businessofcannabis.ca. All of these BFC Lives are available via podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe and rate this podcast when you do find it on your pod service. Coming up, a conversation with Liz Tahura of BDSA, the official insights partner of Business of Cannabis. She will do a deep dive into what BDSA has seen in the first half of 2020 in the Colorado, California, Maryland, Massachusetts, and Canadian markets. Here's what we are up to at Business of Cannabis this week. Monday, we had uh, Lucas McCann from CanDelta in to talk about all the things challenging for Ontario retailers or would-be retailers. Yesterday, we talked to Ika Washington and had our benchmarks reports. Ika Washington uh, from Diversity Talk and Business of Cannabis, we will be having an event, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Tomorrow, our job of the week from Cannabis at Work, as well as a conversation with Jeremy Potvan from Toke Text and Weedbox. On Friday, Ali Muhammad from Light Clinic will talk about his company's growth and success amid COVID, including, amid COVID, including a partnership with Shoppers Drug Mart. We have three events we want to tell you about. July 29th, we will have a Cannabis Forward Education and Networking event online called Can BC Lead Cannabis in Canada Again? It's presented by Robic. It's going to be hosted by Council 45 in Vancouver. On August 7th, we will have a Lunch and Learn on the Friday, August 7th. So you want to open a cannabis retail store? Our friends from CanDelta will present and answer any and all questions during that Lunch and Learn. On August 27th, we will be partnered with Diversity Talk for an education networking event called Social Equity and Practice that will be presented in part by Shopify. Please join us for all of those things. You can find out more on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, but also on our website at businessofcannabis.ca. As always, thank you to our partners, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, CanDelta, and BDSA for their ongoing support of all the work of Business of Cannabis. As always, we are pre- protected by our partners at Alcit. Now, this conversation with Liz Tahura for a deep dive into consumer behavior and trends in the first half of 2020. Enjoy. Liz Tahura, welcome to mid-July. Thank you, Jay. Can't believe it's mid-July. How did that? <laughs> we want obviously we check in with you every Wednesday. We hear what you at BDSA are up to, get your insights so we can share it with our audience. What are we going to be talking about today? Because I am ready with my notepad. All right. Well, it's funny that you're in a reflective mood today uh, because I was actually in a pretty reflective mood this week as well. And so I was just taking a little bit of a look at the first half of 2020, what we saw and and thought we'd do a quick recap of where we've been and uh, just a little bit of a a hopefully a a look to a positive second half of the year. We could hope so. Maybe even more normal. Uh, from a, from a sociological <laughs> perspective, and maybe from a cannabis perspective too, but we can't wait. All right. So as promised, a little H1 2020 update here. Uh, so as we've mentioned, I think a couple of times now, Jay, we recently released our wave six of our consumer insights research. So in addition to the retail sales tracking, which I always think of as shopper behavior and behavioral tracking, 
Uh, we also have the attitudes, beliefs, behaviors uh, around consumption that can be tracked through our consumer insights. So we did do some probing, um, as we are wont to do, on specifically on impacts of COVID with this particular wave of research, uh, just because uh, we figured it would be would be important to see um, how consumers are reporting their behavior and then how that changes versus what we actually see play out with the sales data. Um, so probably not a huge surprise. Uh, we did see, you know, looking at the high level, uh, we did see reported increases in both uh, frequency of shopping and also a little bit more prevalently in uh, consumption of cannabis. Uh, reasons for increasing shopping, of course, being uh, fears of shutdown, so that stock-up behavior um, that, of course, we've talked a lot about earlier. We'll take a, a good kind of comprehensive look at that in just a minute. Um, and then when we talk about the benefits, you know, we're, we're really seeing uh, very wellness-minded benefits uh, that are rising to the top in 2020. So help for relaxation, providing stress release, relief, and relieving anxiety, uh, which are all um, focus group of one, ways that I have certainly consumed cannabis and then benefits I've been looking for. Well, we'll make, make that a focus group of two. <laughs> Uh, so let's dig in just a little bit more into that data, into that summary. So when we're talking about consumption, I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, half of our consumers reported that their cannabis consumption didn't change through the first part of 2020. Um, however, a, about a third of them uh, said that cannabis usage has increased over the, over the past few months. And then we've got a smaller percentage that say that it either decreased and, and just under 10% saying that they stopped altogether. Uh, the consumers that are increasing usage, uh, they are more often citing medicinal and health benefits, as I just mentioned. So that, that relaxation, stress, anxiety, um, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, many are also though consuming more simply due to more time at home. Uh, so also probably not a big surprise uh, what I thought was kind of fun about those who mentioned that they decreased or stopped consuming altogether, the primary reason was they were saying uh, they didn't currently need to consume, so maybe they're a little bit less stressed than I am. They're a little, little more able to handle the stress. Um, or the other top reason uh, was that they didn't have the opportunity with other family members present, uh, which I thought was actually an interesting commentary um, as you can compare and contrast that to, say, alcohol consumption. Um, and at least for a small percentage of the population of consumers, there does still seem to be a little bit of a stigma associated with cannabis consumption. They're not wanting to consume around the family or in front of family members where, um, you know, presumably um, it may be a little bit easier to consume a glass of wine or, uh, or have a beer at the end of the day um, than it is to, to sit back with a joint in front of the family or, or uh, consume an edible. So a uh, couple of interesting little tidbits there. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting, actually, I know there's been a lot of talk this week in particular uh, about delivery, uh, especially in Ontario, uh, yep. with all this coming out. Uh, and the data does say, and it does report, an increase in utilization of delivery services over time. So what we're looking at here is Q1 2019 versus Q1 2020. Um, and this is the percent of consumers that state that they had utilized a delivery service over the past six months. So you're seeing 
pretty significant increases and upward trend, both in uh, BC as a counterpoint, but of course in particular in Ontario, seeing that move from 12% to about 20% of consumers saying that they are utilizing delivery services. Uh, now, I think it's also interesting or important to note out that during the same period, uh, shopping at a retail store, a cannabis retail store, actually jumped from 34 to 50% in Ontario. Oh, uh, so regardless, we're certainly seeing increases in those sort of uh, traditional and, and legal formats and, and, uh, and ways to consume or, excuse me, to purchase cannabis. Uh, so overall, big picture, very positive, uh, but also certainly not to discount the importance of the delivery channel. Um, and we do expect that number to continue to, to see some increases. Um, and because we like to do this, uh, I thought we'd take a little bit of a comparative look at a market in the U.S., which has had uh, consistent and stable access to delivery over time, uh, and that would be California. So what we're looking at right here, um, I especially like this chart, because what it looks at is a specific subset of California retailers uh, who already offered all three major types of fulfillment. So that's in-store shopping, click and collect, and delivery. Uh, so what's nice about isolating out this group, this sample, is we're able to see those same store impacts and shifts in consumer behavior from their shopping public. Um, of course, what we're not looking at is overall indication of the growth of delivery or click and collect, uh, because the sample's not accounting for new stores, um, adding those fulfillment options or the increase in delivery only outlets, uh, which in California would be folks like Ease, others, um, of course, in Ontario, that would be the, the OCS store um, as a great example there. Uh, but there's no question by looking at these, um, at these numbers, so that purple bar across the top there is your delivery, um, and then the green, of course, is your in-store, or excuse me, your, your curbside pickup. Uh, so with the, the full first half of the year look, we are definitely seeing the in-store or the curbside pickup dropping off um, and in-store sort of taking back some of that share. Um, but we're seeing the delivery continue at an elevated level. So moving from about 6% of overall store sales to about 11% uh, for the first, or excuse me, for the last couple of weeks of, um, or for the first couple of weeks of June, excuse me. Uh, but what I would point out, and especially um, as we think about the potential impacts to the private sector in Ontario, not being able to have uh, delivery as an option for their fulfillment, um, it is important to point out that, you know, while the delivery is increasing, um, but it does remain at about 11% of total stores, or excuse me, of total sales for those retailers that offer all three fulfillment options. Uh, so when you think about kind of that big picture impact to sales, um, certainly important, um, but, but not necessarily something that's uh, moving anywhere close to, say, 50% or, or half of, of sales coming out of those retailers that offer all three fulfillment options. I will say for the long term, and we've talked about this before, uh, you know, we do expect to see a little bit of a shift back from the, the highs experienced in the peak of COVID-19, uh, but we do see delivery as a long-term shift in consumer preference. Uh, it's following other industries, other channels. Uh, I think it's a, it's a macroeconomic trend that is not going to go away. Uh, so we will want to watch that quite closely um, and see how things do shake out in Ontario. 
um, as we work through that, uh, that bit of a challenge there. Uh, but let's talk um, a little bit about frequency of shopping. Uh, so we talked about frequency of consumption. Uh, frequency of shopping, frankly, looks very similar to, to frequency of consumption. Uh, similar numbers, about half have not really making, uh, reported making changes in their shopping trip frequency to obtain their cannabis. Um, but a similar amount uh, did report significant increase or significant decrease. About 18% said significant increase. About 16% said uh, a significant decrease or, or stopping altogether. You compare that to the U.S., it's really interesting uh, because in the U.S. we're seeing actually a slightly higher percentage of consumers reporting that they are increasing their shopping frequency um, and increasing their, their consumption as well, um, actually. Uh, so the reasons for, uh, stated for shopping more often. Uh, so, you know, uh, earlier on, of course, there were fears of long stay at home or shelter in place orders. Uh, now we're moving into a little bit more of a, let's say, new normal, uh, post, sort of post-shutdown normalcy, uh, but still some lingering impacts there um, of the potential for, for shutdown and I think just a desire to, uh, to consolidate shopping trips in general, uh, which does um, actually line up with, I think I've mentioned several times now, our partnership with IRI, uh, one of the leading global market research providers for the CPG industry, the Val channel. Um, and we're seeing similar trends in the CPG channels um, as reported by IRI. So their data are showing an elevated demand uh, for an eleva elevated, elevated frequency and a higher basket size. Uh, so we're seeing continued sales growth in channels um, and categories, especially like beverage, alcohol, and, and general groceries or edibles. Um, so certainly, the, again, as, as many of these trends tend to be, this is not a cannabis-specific trend. Um, it is a multi-industry trend and, and certainly a, a longer term or more wider impact into that consumer behavior. Um, just like with the delivery trends, if we look, take a little bit of a step back and look at that big picture, for the shopper count and, uh, and basket size, we're starting to see things trend a little bit back towards pre-COVID levels in terms of frequency, um, but we are still seeing those basket size remain elevated. So just like we mentioned in our, with the IRI data, the CPG data, we're seeing that same trend play out, um, which is resulting in increased sales overall. Um, so May in particular um, in the U.S. was actually a record sales month in many of the markets um, that we track in the U.S., including Colorado, which of course has been selling cannabis legally since 2014. Uh, so it's a pretty significant number to beat that, um, you know, three and a half, four year high there. Uh, California, same, same story playing out, record high sales, um, other industries or other uh, states such as Illinois as well. Um, we are still seeing a couple of markets in the U.S. with some, uh, with some lingering impacts on their sales. Nevada specifically, uh, with that dependency on tourism and, uh, and just starting to come out of those mandated closures. Um, and as a sort of an, as a reverse to the Ontario challenge, uh, mandated delivery only for the first half of 2020, 
moving out of that, um, hopefully we'll start to see sales um, start to, to rebound um, and, and reflect some of the same trends that we're seeing in the other markets. Another market in the US, right, Jay, that's interesting to look at is Maryland, actually. And the reason I think Maryland's interesting is because it's very similar to Ontario in that it's rapidly increasing its retail footprint. Uh, from 2019 to 2020, we've seen about a doubling of retail locations in Maryland. Um, and it's clear to see, especially when you look at that number uh, compared, may compared to one year ago, with essentially a doubling of sales. Uh, clear to see the impacts of, of not just the general sales trends, uh, but the increase in, um, in points of distribution, really making a big difference in the overall sales totals for Maryland. We expect to see something similar for Ontario. So when we take a look at Colorado specifically, diving in, we see some interesting things. Um, and actually in particular to point out is the tourist market in Colorado, which I think is an interesting comparison to BC. Uh, with its heavy reliance on tourism as well. Uh, while we have seen in the first half of the year, as mentioned, some record sales months and um, certainly the ending the first half of the year on a very, very positive note, uh, I think it's interesting to note that the Colorado Department of Revenue um, actually estimates, well, first of all, they estimate that tourists account for somewhere around 10% of the marijuana consumption um, in Colorado from 2017 to 2019. Um, and because of decreased tourism, in addition to some of the other macroeconomic factors, uh, they're actually pr uh, predicting for the fiscal year that just started on July 1st in Colorado, um, about a 3% decline in sales tax revenue. Uh, so it's worth noting that that is about half as much of a decline as they're predicting for general retail, uh, retail revenue. Uh, but also that we also believe that that's a bit of a, uh, of a pessimistic forecast. Certainly the last two months of fiscal 2019 supports that theory. Uh, we'll, we'll watch July very closely and into August to see to see what happens, uh, but, it, but it is true that cannabis, while it does appear to be quite recession resistant, uh, may feel some impacts um, in an extended economic downturn. So certainly be watching that very closely. Um, and as I mentioned, in particular, that impact on the, the tourist market. Less severe swings in California, although we are still seeing uh, very, very strong sales in the first half of the year, also shaping up to be a record year uh, so far in 2020. Um, so definitely we'll be keeping a similar eye on California. Um, of course, the other factor in California, uh, which again, not to pick on BC, but again, is quite interesting, especially in terms of BC, um, is the prevalence of the illicit market and what we're gonna see happening with those trends in the second half of the year. Um, we do believe that some of the health concerns and, and certainly um, increased in, in prevalence by the vape crisis and the vape health concerns of the end of last year and early this year, Kind of rolling into the COVID health concerns uh, certainly have created an environment where uh, shopping within the legal channel and the legal market where you know product is tested and reliable and consistent uh, certainly is a benefit. Uh, but states like California, uh, provinces like BC, we do still see a very, very strong illicit market and over 70% of sales in California overall. Cannabis sales in California overall are still coming from the illicit market. Um, seeing um, very similar strong numbers in BC as well. So continuing to watch that through the second half of the year. 
we take a little bit of a step back and we think about big picture, you know, where we're going to be, um, not just the end of 2020, but into 2021, um, as far away as that may seem. Uh, both Colorado and California, you're showing those long-term increases in total consumption, so percent of adults consuming cannabis. Um, and what that speaks to, of course, is not just whether or not we're going to gain market share within the pie, but growing the pie, uh, a, little, a little bigger pie overall, uh, and certainly points to sustained growth within the market, within the industry. Um, interesting to see a bit of a dip in the Q1 of 2020. Um, in terms of the excuse me, California uh, consumption rates, uh, but still uh, do believe that that's part of an ongoing long-term trend. Uh, when we look at it in comparison to Canada, so calling out Ontario, Alberta, and British Columbia specifically, um, you know, while of course the overall population size uh, is a bit smaller uh, than what we'll see in the U.S., in terms of percentage, in terms of proportion, we are coming in right around at that, um, you know, coming up to that low 40s in Colorado, um, mid 30s in California. So seeing that playing out in the Canadian provinces as well. Um, and while it's not pictured here, worth noting, uh, these are part of an ongoing upward trajectory. Uh, so certainly pointing to uh, sustained strength for the industry and for the market up in Canada as a whole, um, even in spite of and along with some of these uh, pretty unique challenges that we've faced thus far. So long story short, halfway through the year, uh, we really are seeing reasons to remain very positive uh, for the full year outlook in Canada. Uh, certainly the further increases in point of distribution in Ontario, uh, other provinces as well, are definitely going to contribute to sales increases. Um, and while the lack of delivery in Ontario uh, may indeed cause the private retail sector to lose uh, some market share overall to uh, to the government and other options uh, for purchasing cannabis. Um, do remember, as we mentioned earlier, that over half of consumers in Ontario uh, reported shopping at cannabis retail stores. By far the largest um, individual group in terms of all the different options uh, that EDSA tracks. So um, certainly some positive news there. Um, and then also recalling as we looked at the distribution of sales within California retailers um, that do carry or do utilize all three points of fulfillment, um, seeing delivery settle in somewhere around 11% of total sales. Uh, so certainly not looking at losing half of revenue um, or, or anything uh, quite as significant um, if we're looking at it from a comparative perspective. So still feeling like we're on a good path still feeling like we're seeing that very nice steady growth. Uh, as a reminder, uh, by 2025, EDSA is forecasting almost a six and a half billion dollar industry uh, for the regulated cannabis channel. And that is a compound annual growth rate of almost 26% uh, since 2019. Um, and to put that into a little bit of perspective, when we talked about California, uh, which is the largest individual uh, single market globally and, and will remain as such. Uh, we're predicting about a $7.4 billion market within the same time frame in California. So Canada remaining right up there um, as one of the, the most important and, and largest single markets. Uh, we do consider each state market in the U.S. as an individual market until federal legalization happens. Um, so certainly seeing um, a lot of growth and a lot of positive momentum uh, for the industry overall and then so of course specifically for the Canadian market.
when we started talking, doing this sort of weekly a couple months ago in, in the midst of COVID, you said something in our first conversation that was sometimes in, or many times in crises, this accelerates things that were going to happen anyway, right? And, and when I look at sort of what's happening in Canada, what's happening in Colorado and California, to me, we're actually ahead of where they were early days in their regimes. One, we have a, a growing percentage of people that are buying online, and this has actually ramped that up, I think, even considerably in Q1. Two, um, uh, we are uh, getting to the numbers of 30, you know, high 30s of sort of legal age consumption in our first really second year, right? So we are actually, I mean, I'm asking you, do you think we are ahead of where others have been in this sort of six year cycle of normalcy? Absolutely. Um, and I think it's, you know, some of it comes down to the, the special circumstances in Canada. Some of it comes down to the legal federal or the federal legalization um, some of these other impacts, you know, significant investment uh, within the industry. Um, and I think some of it also just comes down to general consumer and market trends. You know, we're seeing these time from, uh, from inception into market sophistication and evolution uh, speed up, even as we watch state by state, the markets come online. Um, as globally and as just sort of a general population, we're all becoming a little more desensitized and a little bit more destigmatized and a little bit more comfortable with the idea of cannabis as um, a substitute or a complement to so many of the uh, of the substances and ingredients and, um, and and things that we consume on a daily basis. So similar to what we talked about, you know, last week, uh, it becomes easier and easier to think of cannabis as just another aspect that fits into my lifestyle. Um, and as a reminder, when we do ask those, uh, so we split the groups, uh, we split the population into consumers, acceptors, and rejectors. So those acceptors and rejectors are those not currently consumers. Um, acceptors say, perhaps. Rejectors say, no, thank you. And we do watch those populations shift over time as well. And we do spend a lot of time talking to them uh, about their reasons why they don't consume. And the number one reason that we hear is it doesn't fit my lifestyle. Um, so that regardless of whether they're a consumer or excuse me, an acceptor or a, or a rejector, that is going to be their top response box. Um, and to me, that states that we're getting closer and closer and fewer and fewer uh, far between as we as we move into uh, this phase of more people saying it does fit my lifestyle. Um, and as we watch uh, those numbers, perhaps climb closer to what we see in say alcohol, Beval, um, where numbers of consumption rates tend to be somewhere in the 60 to 75% within the legal uh, consuming population. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, that's like, that's where brand and education and, and the experience comes in and, and the normalcy and acceptance. And, and that comes, I think, in two forms and, and like big opportunities, of course, the people that are already consuming and getting them to buy your product. That's part one. Part two out of that group is, how do you get more of that percentage out of the illicit market into legal market, which is sort of one of the big challenges in Colorado and California and certainly in Canada as well. And that could be about brand as well. Um, and then making sure the, ex, uh, not the acceptors, but the people in the middle, right. That are actually, you could bring over. And what does that mean? I mean, to me, every time we talk, I would like to sort of bring, I place myself in like a CMO's chair and be like, how do, like, what is our strategy to go get that? And like, I know that that's exactly what you do, but to me, it just begs the question, like where, where and how are these serious conversations happening? Whether you are a retailer, whether you are a brand, whether you are sitting in a million square foot facility saying, 
what do we do with this product? Like you need, like the data from other places is just so rich. And looking at five years hence, where do we want to be in five years and where would we be if we were in Colorado and California and just work back from that? Absolutely. And such a great point about the, the, the opportunity. So I do hear a lot of people talk about the illicit market as a threat and about, uh, you know, perhaps competing, uh, competing products like at Bevel specifically as a potential, you know, threat to the industry. Um, but what I like to think of it is as uh, it's pretty unprecedented, unprecedented to have so many opportunities uh, to bring in new customers into the field and new consumers into the field. So to your point, we can both convert existing consumers from the illicit market into the legal market and also at the same time, expand out to appealing to brand new consumers. Uh, it's pretty exciting, uh, pretty exciting opportunity there. And, and it's just all about honing in your strategy and deciding what white space are you going after? And, and to your point, building that out and um, certainly want to keep an eye on the data and keep an eye on the insights to make sure you're staying uh, right on target with that strategy. Absolutely. Well, Liz, every Wednesday, I feel like I'm getting smarter, which is not hard. My, my bar is set pretty low, but I, but I do feel like uh, you, you, bring, you and the team at BDSA bring us such great information. We're happy you're sharing it in partnership with our audience. And, and thank you again for joining us. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Greg. Great. Thanks, Liz. Thank you.